Welcome to the Twin Day Podcast, Rethinking Entrepreneurship, providing founders of color with resources and tools to grow and scale your business. I'm Brittany N. Cole, Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer here at the EC and your host of the Twin Day Podcast. Twin Day is key Swahili for Let's Go. At the EC, we're on a mission to make Nashville and Tennessee the best place to start and grow a business. Growing Nashville's over 105,000 businesses founded by entrepreneurs of color will lead to broader community prosperity for all. At the EC, our Twin Day Accelerator is a statewide program that is leveling the playing field for entrepreneurs of color with world-class curriculum, coaching, and community to grow your business. This show is a production of the EC and it's all about engaging you in open and honest conversation with incredible Black and Latina business experts, investors, and other successful founders located throughout Tennessee and other parts of the United States. On this episode of the Twin Day Podcast, you're going to get to listen in to a powerhouse panel from our Twin Day Summit, giving you all the insights on how you can do business with big business. We have government and business leaders like Courtney Pogue, Karen Collins, and Dr. Isaac Gadai, as well as myself, sharing insights on how you can scale your company by doing business with corporate and government partners. But before we dive into today's conversation, we'd like to extend a special thank you for the generous support of David and Rebecca Clements for making the Twin Day podcast possible. How to do business with big business. We wanted to make sure that we kicked off with this conversation because we know um, across the U.S., not only uh, for businesses in Tennessee, and there are tons of examples here in Tennessee, that having B2B corporate and government clients is one of the fastest ways to grow and scale your business. So I'm just going to ask each of the panelists today just to introduce yourself. I'm going to pass that mic down and share with us uh, what you get to do, perfect, and about the business or organization that you represent. Sure. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Dr. Isaac Adai, Chief Strategy Officer at Pivot Technology School. We are a tech workforce development company. We help people of color, just like folks sitting in this room, get their first career in technology through 20-week training programs. And we also have various corporate partnerships that we'll talk about as well. Thank you, sir. I'm Karen Collins. Uh, I am uh, with the mayor's office in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I have survived a uh, transition. If anybody works in government, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, So I was, he said, amen. Um, (laughs) So I am the newly appointed um, director of supplier diversity. We've never had one before. So just take a minute to breathe that in. Um, (laughs) Formerly, I was with the Office of Multicultural Affairs under Mayor Burke. I was appointed as the administrator over that office and then transitioned into this position. And what we do there is on purpose, intentionally, invite vendors, uh, business owners of color, black and brown, to come in and do business with the city. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, My name is Courtney Pogue. I'm the Director of Economic and Community Development for Nashville. So my job is to look at four buckets of economic development. One, business attraction and retention and expansion. Two, supporting entrepreneurs and small business. Three, workforce development. And four, community development and redevelopment. 
So that is my job in Nashville. And we'll have a conversation how it actually works here in Nashville and how it works in Knoxville and Chattanooga and other places and how economic development differs in Nashville. So we'll have that conversation. Thank you. Awesome. So Karen, you, you're joining us from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so we appreciate you traveling down and being with us for two days. And you mentioned that your role is new. I know that you all also have a new chief of equity and inclusion officer there at the mayor's office as well. Talk to us a little bit about some of the priorities with this being new for uh, Chattanooga specific to supplier diversity. Where, really, what are y'all looking to drive in the space? So. We're really, um, I call it the the birth of, of a dream, right? Um, we uh, underwent a disparity study, and it was in 2019, and 13 recommendations came out of that, one of which was the um, staffing of um, our chief equity officer. Uh, that was the first thing that came off the bat, and she is in place Somebody say thank you. She's in place. Uh, and I am so thrilled that she is there. Uh, Mayor Kelly um, came in with a purpose. He has a one Chattanooga plan. We may, uh, I might talk about that a little bit. But it talks about intentionally um, building up the black middle class in Chattanooga. And what does that look like? That's wealth building, right? I have my wealth guy next to me. So uh, he knows what I'm talking about. So, and some of those priorities are around, like I said, intentionally inviting folks uh, who are business owners, black and brown, to do business. So what does that mean? All those barriers uh, to doing businesses, how we have meetings, how things are disseminated, who's told what, who's in the room. Those are the barriers that we, we're knocking down, right? We're intentionally going out and inviting folks in to do, to do business. And so uh, a lot of our priorities have to do with breaking down how we even put out things for bid, Right. It's a lot. It's about 13 recommendations. I can go. It goes from um, our community um, engagement side all the way to our internal practices and what we do. Um, some folks have been in our departments writing uh, our bids and their bids are written so so tightly. This is real, right? I can say what I need to say. Okay. Yes, yes, so I'm saying this uh, and I have my superwoman jacket on so I can be a hero today. Uh, yeah, yeah. For you DC fans, come on. Uh, for you Marvel fans, it's all right. My husband's a Marvel fan. I'm a DC fan. So anyway, um, so we are intentionally breaking down those barriers. Some of our bids are written so tightly that only certain uh, certain businesses could even bid on them. That's biased. We're just going to land that right there. Now, whether it was intentional or not, it's incumbent upon us to do education around that. You talked about the DE&I work. And so we're staunchly um, working on that training across the board. Yeah, that's awesome. So Courtney, I know you mentioned, you know, there's some differences with Nashville. Tell us a little bit about, I know you're focused on creating an inclusive economic development strategy here in the city. What role does entrepreneurship play in that small business ownership? What are the priorities around that? Sure. Let me uh, unpack what economic development actually means. Economic development is a series of policies and programs that improve the quality of life of a community. Let's break that down. Policies and programs. So here in Nashville, um, we have never had a strategy at the local level for economic development. What that means is that you have no policies, no programs to support economic development. Let me break that down going back to where I first started. So there's no policies to attract a grocery store to North Nashville. 
there are no programs to support entrepreneurship in North Nashville. There's no programs to support workforce or policies to support workforce. There's no policies for community core redevelopment or development. So what you see with throughout the city is a result of no policies, no programs, no strategy for economic development. So it's my role to actually create the first strategy for economic development. Chattanooga has one. Yeah, we sure do. Knoxville has one. <laughs> Memphis has one. But Nashville's never had a strategy for economic development. So you wonder why if you live in 37208, 37218, Bardo or Bardo, there's only one grocery store in Bardo. One. It's the largest zip code within Nashville. Wow. 90 square miles. You wonder why we have the smallest budget for economic development in the country. We're the bottom 100. Bottom 100. I mean, we only contribute 0.03% of a $3 billion budget to economic development. Now, take New York. New York contributes 1% of a $100 billion budget to economic development, meaning $1 billion. Some of the other cities around the country contribute between eight and $10 million to economic development. We contribute $850,000. Yeah, shocking. So here we are, the growth city, the it city, we have a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. And so when you talk about inclusion, you can't have inclusion when you don't have the budget resources. You can't have inclusion when you can't support entrepreneurship. You can't have inclusion when you don't have the actual support for entrepreneurs and workforce development programs. And so as we see this city grow, we see people being left out. That changes if you have a plan and a strategy. The plan for strategy for programs, support entrepreneurship, policies that support entrepreneurs and workforce development and small business. We have a lot of work to do. So as we move forward with this plan and crafting, like once again, the first plan, I need your help and hopefully have your support going forward. Thank you. And I would just add to that, you know, from a DEI lens as a practitioner, like that, those are the steps. Like what Courtney just mentioned, like otherwise you're tactical in your approach. You're doing things like training and, you know, come in and attend this 45 minute or watch this 45 minute video that no one watches. It's just kind of on. Like you're not meeting the infrastructure needs to really sustain the inclusion, all of the language that you see that's forward facing. And so certainly, you know, from a best practice perspective, the strategy is first and you can't have a strategy or make policy changes if you haven't, if you don't have a line item for it, if there's not a budget for it, if they're not resources and it's financial resources, not intention resources or, and so in Nashville, certainly we've seen organizations take up the mantle like an entrepreneur center to say, well, yeah, we really don't have anything coming out, um, you know, from a core perspective from a government perspective, right? So how do we kind of bridge the gap with programming and other organizations to be able to help to, like we have here, fund programming for um, something like a twin day for founders of color. So I wanna bring in um, uh, Dr. Dai here, who is 
on, I would say a bit on the, uh, on the opposite side of the table, right? Because he's leading a lot of the, we'll call it business development strategy uh, for one of the fastest growing uh, tech companies in the city. Um, and I'll, I say in the region, because I know they're, they're not just focused on Nashville, like they are out here in Alabama and Atlanta. And so talk to us a little bit about some best practices, like when you're sitting across the table, you know, approaching a deal and obviously clearly doing deals with corporations, what are some of the things that you're thinking about from the perspective of a founder that helps to move that usually long sales cycle um, further down the path? The very long sales cycles, <laughs> might I add. Yeah. These sales cycles are very, very long. I think the thing that helps us the most is our team is very clear on mission and purpose. Our goal is to get people of color in higher career earning opportunities because we know that changes everything. It changes your family. It changes our community. We have to be able to earn more income. We're unapologetic about that. So when we have conversations with corporate partners or potential corporate partners, we're leading with our mission to educate black people in tech. And if they can get with that, we can have a conversation. And to be honest with you, some companies are with it and some aren't. And so we've done a lot of phone calls. We've done a lot of meetings. We've met with some companies for six months only to realize they have no intention of, of cutting a check. You know, they're just, that's just kind of how it goes. But I think what helps us is being very clear on our mission and being very focused on aligning with the right partners. Uh, for example, we've worked with Amazon. We've worked with Shipped. Shipped is a Target subsidiary. These are organizations that are already committed to diversity and are looking for the right partners to make this happen and make this real within the organization. And those types of things have been very beneficial to us. It does take time, though, sometimes even a year. But again, just being very clear, unapologetic about our mission and then doing the work to engage with corporate partners, engage in that sales cycle, even if it takes long. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I think. Um, you know, I mentioned the length because certainly it can relate. Like, you know, corporate is 90% of our career drivers client, really like more like 96%. And I would say like it's moments like this. So that's why we started. I was happy that Kirby started with the with the setting the intentions because truly in these kind of networking moments, like you never really know who you're communicating with, like who you're who you're speaking to and the opportunity that they could um, open for you to really grow your business. And so really being clear in how you communicate the value of your business, knowing your mission, knowing your, your values and how that connects with the needs of that organization. So being a really great listener, like some practical, it feels like soft skills, but like it's really, it's truly power skills from a, a corporate and government perspective. So Karen, I want to bring you into the conversation too here when it comes to, from the founder's perspective, doing business with the city of Chattanooga, what are some things to think about for, uh, from a supplier diversity perspective? So I had the pleasure of walking in with, where's Danielle at? Right there, and Derek in the back. Um, I, I walked in with them, and the reason why um, is because we kind of connected yesterday and learned about their businesses, right? And I am always on the lookout for connection. I call myself a bridge in the community. I'm a servant leader. I know that I work for the people, right? And so with that in mind and, and bringing folks in to, to do business, you might not know what you, how your business can be connected to the city, but I do. Does that make sense? 
right? So we meet with all the buyers. We know what they buy. And, and sometimes they are looking for out-of-the-box things to do in their particular de- department, right? Um, you were, you heard it said if there's no line item for it, it doesn't, you, you, if you don't have any money for it, you can't buy it. Right. A lot of our department heads and even our administrator, and it really does start with our mayor. I think he has a mission and a goal to really build this uh, black middle class and wealth. Right. And so what we do is uh, say like for, for Derek, for instance, he told me about his company immediately in my head. This is how we connect. We connect you with the buyer excuse me, the buyer in the um, department. I will pull up the HR folk. I will even ask you uh, what kind of uh, contracts you've had, if you've not had any, but what you're looking to do. And we connect you with open data. You can pull contracts and you can see, am I right? You can see how they bid, right? You can get that information so you'll know how to price what you do, right? And instead of you going to all of those people, we bring all those people to you. You saw Brittany said, you are the MVP. I love that. I got to steal that. You are the MVP. We're there for you. So we're, and you don't have to run around to all of these offices. One thing COVID taught us is that we will never probably um, go back to not having virtual. Virtual is here to stay, right? So it really works with what we do. And so we make those connections for you. You get in that meeting and you sell what you do. Right. And then we will even look at um, there are some things that the city may not buy, but we also do what we call these public private partnerships. I was telling Derek about creating. We are excited to create this ecosystem. It's alive and well. You all are moving parts to the system. Right. And so we want to create this ecosystem that we're even If the city can't do it, then we can partner with the private corporations and they can do it. See what I'm saying? Like, so it's alive, right? Right now we are stirring the pot in Chattanooga because I believe that we have the will to do it. We're working with the chamber. We're working with some of our anchor institutions. We're going to hear a little bit later about the certification and how we are magnifying that. So even if you think you don't know, you're the CEO of your company. You're the founder, right? I need you to just get in the room and tell us what you need, and we'll have all the people connected that can help you. And if they can't connect you there, we'll connect you somewhere else. That's super helpful. So that's Chattanooga. Yes, hand clap. Okay, Courtney, so we're in Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going to put you on the spot. I actually want to bring in a headline because, you know, there's been a lot of conversation, obviously, over the last two years around this topic of inclusion and equity from new roles to new policies to budget line items and all of that. So this this is the headline via the Nashville Business Journal. So Metro has more than quadrupled the amount of business it steers to women and minority-owned contractors, according to the Equal Business Opportunity Program report. In its fiscal year, which ended June of last year, Metro proposed spending $225 million with, quote, black and brown-owned businesses and also women-owned businesses at the subcontractor level. Can you tell us a little bit about how founders can tap into that and kind of what was the journey of getting to that shift? It sounds like there was a shift. And just some more color to that headline. I, I like the way you emphasize proposed. Uh-huh. Keyword there. Proposed. So not actually awarded, but proposed. So it go it kind of goes back to meeting businesses where they're 
bad English at. Mm-hmm. You have to go to them, which like she kind of alluded to. We're in a process of building scale, but to build scale, you need resources. And that goes back to economic development. How are you supporting entrepreneurs and small businesses? What is the technical assistance programs to help people scale their businesses, to have the QuickBooks and help them get the incorporation papers together? That's about building scale. So proposed contracts doesn't lead to a contract. You have to give people capacity to make sure they can handle that. They align it with both public and private resources from a capital standpoint. We're getting there, but we're not there. So it's not a, there's not a line item in the budget for Metro Nashville that this amount of dollars is going to black and brown businesses. And then as founders, getting the resources, scaling and figuring out then how to make those connections. That's one way to look at it. And I was looking at some data from your question this morning, and it's great to be a minority business and get a percentage of a contract. The question is, are you a prime and leading a contract? And so for second quarter of 2022, the city's fiscal year begins July 1. So July 1 through September 30th, that's quarter one. From October 1 through 1231, quarter two. There were zero prime MBE contractors in Nashville, zero. Now subs, yes, but leading a contract, zero for quarter two. And that's an important conversation. I'm glad we have a supplier diversity expert here because I'm scared to talk, Brittany. Well, maybe maybe I'll tee it up and then I'll throw it over to you because what that means, (laughs) right? What what that can mean? Let me let me let me phrase it that way, right? Because I've certainly um, had conversations with founders that I know well where they end up the sub on a contract. So meaning like you're a part of a larger team that has or organization has the resources to, to do the business by way of the client's perspective. And then sometimes, right, whether it's intentional or not, you can end up much like, anybody ever worked in corporate and felt like you were in the, you were the diversity hire, right? You were, you know, the, 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 the meeting the quota, you were checking the box, and you were there, you were present, you were also the headline when it came to DEI conversations, but, it, but when it came to significant impact or sustainability or you moving up in leadership, no, 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 no. So translating that into the entrepreneurship space, it can feel like that sometimes, right? Where with these bigger organizations, they're like, yeah, come on and join us. You know, you get 0.05, you know, percent of the, of the deal, but then you're not like, like really making any decisions. You're not forward facing with a client. Talk to us a little bit about how we, you know, mitigate that from your seat so that there is true impact for these businesses. Okay. What came out of our disparity study was about what we call this contract debundling, right? We talked about contract forecasting. So what that means, municipalities, uh, cities, municipalities, we can forecast 10 I'm with my economic development guy, and I know you understand this too. You can forecast what you're going to be uh, budgeting for, right? You have projects that may be capital projects. And so uh, what I was hearing when I first came in uh, into city government uh, was that we couldn't find the, uh, the suppliers that we needed that were diverse, 
But then I looked on our vendor registry. There were over 5,000 businesses listed. Of those 5,000, about 500 or so were minority and women uh, business owners of color. So I began to go down and say, well, we put them in categories, right? So that means your NIPG codes, what you do, what the product that you produce, right? And so we began to kind of go down and see which categories we had folks in, right? And so one of the plans were, let's go, if we don't have folks in those particular disciplines that you need for these contracts, let's go out then and develop them. Right. We have a problem in Chattanooga about contractors. He said it. We have a lot of subs, but no primes. No, you know. And so for us, it was incumbent upon us. How do we then take that to the next level? How do we partner with the Chattanooga State UTC to um, then help those subs become primes? You know, how can foundations put their money in to help pay for licensing? Because it costs to be a it costs money. Right. Um, And so so how do we make those partnerships? And so I can say that the will to do is there. Uh, Our disparity, our disparity study was really dismal. It was disappointing. Uh, I was there on the ground when Griffin and Strong out of Atlanta were, you know, were doing it. And I was embarrassed as a woman of color. Like, I'm just going to stop. I was embarrassed. Um, The numbers uh, were very, 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 very low, Uh, like lower than 2% of what we were doing. And that's good in some areas. Ours were terrible. But we we just recently had a study, excuse me, an internal audit done, and they've come up. Uh, so I'm excited about that work, but we have to be able to weave it into the fabric of how we do business, that it's not an afterthought, that we do it beforehand. Yes, 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 yes. So as you all are thinking about questions, and as you have a question, uh, we'll ask that you raise your hand, and Kirby is going to help us to manage Q&A. So Isaac, I want to come to you, because I certainly know that one aspect of particularly in corporate and know that world very well doing business really has a lot to do with brand equity and value proposition right there's a lot of positioning that happens so that you are not only internally right have the infrastructure and the resources to fulfill the business but that you're seen in that way as well pivot tech right uh you know your your ceo co-founder um as well have been recognized across the state actually here at the EC, so next awards last year for all the great work that you all are doing. How have you all been intentional about building your brand and for Pivot Tech beyond Nashville? What are some things that you're doing to really build that brand equity so that you're seen as a player for government and corporate contracts? Sure, great question. And I want to address that in a couple of ways. We've been very intentional about communicating our mission and our vision and speaking in all of the different avenues, being on panels like this, leveraging social media, going after earned media in the press. We've had hits in Forbes and Computer World and other other outlets. Those things have really helped us elevate the brand name and communicate what we do to the wider uh, community. We have a regional focus, so not just Tennessee, but the Southeast region. But something else that has been helpful for us has been going out and identifying those champions in organizations who believe in what we do and that will open doors for us. And so, for example, um, with some of the companies that we worked with, it started with the conversation with a person who was a decision maker that looked just like you and I. And that person says, I love what you guys are doing. Let me make some introductions. And then when folks go and do their Google search, they're looking up the individual team members and they're seeing, oh, 
this person is doing this, just doing that. So they start to believe in the story. We found that our success in business has purely been on relationships. I'll be honest with you. Relationships, relationships, relationships. And it's not who you know, it's who knows you, right? Who's aware of your business? Who knows that you exist? That's what we've been able to leverage. And I want to just speak to one more thing that was related to what they were talking about. We've been able to grow our business outside of Tennessee, but we've been very strategic about finding out what programs and pathways exist and how we can cross bridges. So the state of Alabama and Courtney and I talked about this before. The state of Alabama has workforce development incentives for companies, companies that invest in workforce development will get reimbursed. We found that out randomly through me. I'm a, I'm a geek and I research. So I was doing some research on Alabama economic development. And we found that out and leveraged that with our shipped partnership. So they spent half a million dollars with us. Every penny of that, they're getting it reimbursed back from the state of Tennessee. And they could have done business with anybody else but we had the relationship that got us in the door, got us the meeting with the CTO. And they said, we love what you guys are doing because the brand was already established. Yep. Let's let's get to work. Uh, our team was in Atlanta this week. Same thing. We're meeting with companies that go do their homework. They're like, man, we love what you guys are doing. Let's find a pathway. So think creatively. Think outside of the box. You don't just have to think about Nashville or Tennessee. There's Arkansas, Mississippi, Kentucky. I mean, all the states touching us. Find people there, connect, do business there too. I love it. And one thing that I want to just underscore that we just heard, right? Oftentimes when you hear the word brand, who thinks social media, right? Instagram, LinkedIn, right? That's part of brand. But brand is really what Isaac described. It is the relationship building. A synonym for brand is belief. So brand is what not what you say about you, it's what other people believe about you. So the way that you impact belief, there's an element of like social, that's how you scale belief though, opinion of one, right? But as a former marketer, you scale belief through social, you build belief through relationships. So it's in these kind of moments when you're like, can connect one-on-one and you're offline. I'm telling you, if you're gonna do business in corporate, it's not gonna happen via your your, your Instagram feed. It's in it. You can push it forward and accelerate it through LinkedIn. I encourage every business owner, I don't care what you sell or what you do, you need to be on LinkedIn. It is the number one platform for doing business with big business, period. And then you need to move those relationships online to offline, much like Isaac described. So I want to open it up for some Q&A. Are there any questions? Can I say something really quick? Yes, please. I just wanted to touch on something you said. All of our relationships that we've been able to develop started on LinkedIn meaning the initial outreach. I pay for LinkedIn premium. I do business development for us. $65 a month is well worth it because I can reach anybody on LinkedIn. Then we engage and try to build that offline relationship. But LinkedIn is the best sales tool for any business owner. I have to just echo that. Yes. And and if I can add too, we call that in supplier diversity, building that social capital. 
right? It might not be what we call the financial capital because we'll talk about that, but we did a minority business task force study and the one thing that came out of it is that this lack of social capital for black and brown entrepreneurs, right? You can't get in front of people who, who know you, right? So you, you make that connection to build that relationship. So when they're thinking about those contracts, you're on their minds. Yes. Yes. Right. That's worth in some some aspects it's worth more than money because they can intentionally then seek you out for those kinds of contracts. So we and I, I believe in LinkedIn, too. At first, I was like, I don't want any more social media. I am not that girl. I don't want it. But it's it, I've made some great connections through it. You're exactly right, Brittany. Yeah, love it. So I saw a hand over here to my right. And as we're we're getting a mic over. So we'll start here in the front. Hi, can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Hi, thank you so much. This is great information. My name is Diana Sanchez Vega. This question is for Courtney. So, and I'm Courtney, sorry, maybe I'm not pronouncing it properly. Um, so I've tried to do business with Metro for almost 20 years. So uh, I'm not gonna talk about the first opportunity where I ended up sending a letter to Metro and saying, evidently my, my company is minute. So stop sending me requests for proposals because every time I apply, I get like, you're too small. But my latest thing is that for three years, I've tried to, to I've reached out to five people in Metro Nashville Public Schools, and I know it's separate, but still it's part of Metro, so I have to ask a question. Um, talk to three for three years. And my last follow-up was in August of last year, and they said, um, this is not a priority. I train bilingual people to be interpreters. This is not a priority. We don't have a budget. When we will it, they contact you. So I, I connected with the chief diversity equity inclusion officer, had a conversation, did everything. So I finally followed up a month ago and they say, oh, we've identified a vendor. So it's a, I have submitted proposals. So what do I do with that? Who do I talk to? Even if this had been in Metro, who, what do I do? That's on us, that's Metro. Um, we're not very coordinated, we're not, let's <laughs> be honest. And so we are doing a, another disparity study. Oh, wow. Um, we're in the process of uh, selecting a vendor to do that um, via procurement. And so from that, it's probably going to tell us the same thing we already know about businesses, uh, supplier diversity, and so on. But your issue of talking to five people, there should be one point person to kind of help you out with that. There actually is a point person within Metro that actually does what you're doing. I, I, I'm sorry that this has happened to you. But we should do better as a government to help you out and help small businesses out. And that kind of goes back to what I began my talk about how we, what are our budget priorities for the city? Economic development, procurement, supporting small businesses. We're just getting to that point. Yeah. So we have some steps to take. So as that disparity study comes out, be engaged with that. As we launch our first plan for account development, be engaged with that. Which is shocking when I say the first, you, we are the 21st largest city, great for real estate development, 
But as we drive around the city, do we really see diversity? Do we really see minority contractors on these jobs? Do we see minority contractors working with the companies that we recruit here? The Amazons. Amazon's doing a great job. They're Lance Bernstein's. They're Shurians. And I guess right now we have Oracle coming in. Where's the platform to make sure a, a pivot tech yeah. is engaged with them? Where's a counterpoint where a small business is engaged with them? Right. Yeah, that yeah. goes back to how the policies and programs. Yeah. That comes down to work with your council person. They and they sure. can they can give you that information, can yeah. they not? You can request it. I hope I'm not speaking no. out of turn. We're on Oracle. My job is to report the diverse spend that we have in the city of Chattanooga. You're not going to do that with just services and goods. I need big top dollar ticket items, big, big contracts, right? And so you can ask them, how many, what is the dollar amount? They should be tracking that. I have to have a report that says, what, how many vendors are we actually spending dollars with? Not what you requested. I'm talking about what the contract was signed for. Right. So once you do that, it goes into a, a bucket, if you will. We have a diversity dashboard that we're now building out. Right. And it's supposed to be real live time data. And so when I um, when they initially did it, Brittany, they lumped everybody black and yep. brown together. She heard me. She said, yep. It inflates the numbers and it's not right. I was a federal grant writer for years. I know how to fudge some numbers. I don't do it because I don't want to go jail, but I don't want to go to jail. I love the Lord. I don't want to go to jail. So, um, <laughs> so what we did, Brittany, I asked them, I said, break them up. Disaggregate it. I need it. I need to see it. How many black, how many Latino, how many Asian Pacific, whatever you box, you check. And that's what I need to see. And then when we got that, that's when I was talking about um, Miss Vega. When we got that, then I was able to see where the vendors were coming from. Some of the vendors weren't even identifying that they were black and brown. We had all this null data. That doesn't help me. And because they thought it was a disadvantage yeah, to their business. That's, that's an education gap where sometimes... You know, as a black or brown founder, you feel like, well, if I am forward facing, if I show that I am a black founder of this tech company, for example, um, it may disadvantage me in some way. So this has been a phenomenal conversation and one that is so needed more so. So I want to say two things. Uh, one, I want to say thank you to our panelists. Can we give them a round of applause? Yeah, this was so, so good. I see our coming in for a quick photo and we have a so we'll take one question online I'm, we're, we're working to get us back on schedule we're, we're just about there so we'll take an online question and then what I would encourage you to do is if you go to and Patty give me a nod if the link is up yep so if you go to twindaysummit.co if you pull out your mobile device go to twindaysummit.co at the top you'll see a link to join the group we please put your question in the group because one of the things that I would love to see and work with Courtney on and Karen and the Memphis Connect and the Knoxville Connect, I want to see for this twin day program a real live supplier diversity connection, meaning you come out of the program, you don't got to jump through all the hoops and find the right person to ask off all the data. There is a clear line for if you want to do business with with business from a government perspective and even corporate, because I know the chamber does some work in the supplier diversity space as well, um, there is a clearer path for you to do that. 
um, one of the things I would love to see for the program moving forward. So please post your question on the news feed there. If you had a question and we did not get to it, because we want to make sure uh, that we answer those questions. So Kirby, what's our online for online audience? What question do you have? Sure. We've got a few of them here, but we'll go with this one. The question was, it was stated that brand is what people believe about you and your business. How do you find out what they believe? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so I'm going to let Isaac. Well, what we found in, in our engagement is that as we get out and we do the work of talking to people and connecting to people, we're finding out from them what they think and have heard about our brand. But it's also what other people say about you when you're not in the room, too. That represents your brand. And so we get a lot of points of contact that are secondhand, meaning they have been handed to us from other people who have spoken positively about the Pivot brand in rooms that we are not in. So it's not just what you say you are. It's what other people say about you as well. And again, in your engagements with businesses, you will get a sense of how they view you as an organization. And you can even clarify your brand if if there's some misalignment there. Yep. So whether you are an employee or an employer, you know what people believe about your brand and you know it's aligned when they say about you what you would say about yourself. If there's a gap in the messaging, you got you to give them the driver's seat of cultivating that brand. So great question there. Thank you so much again to our panelists. Thank y'all for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Twin Day Rethinking Entrepreneurship, a podcast that features conversations with incredible Black and Latina business experts, investors, and other successful founders across Tennessee and other parts of the United States. We want this show to support you and reflect your realities that you face as an entrepreneur every day. So your feedback is appreciated. For a recap and transcript of this episode and to learn more about the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, including our Twin Day Accelerator, go to twindaytn.com slash podcast. If you learned something from today's episode, please follow, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you again to the David and Rebecca Clements family for your generous support. And until next time, let's go.